Welcome back. We weren't expecting to take a break, but we did. It's been a couple of weeks. Had a little, uh, little vacation. Not really. Had my kids for two weeks, so uh, summer vacation for them and work for dad. <laughs> but, um, man, we've been having some really great dialogue the past week. We were supposed to record on Saturday and we didn't. And uh, yeah. why, why didn't we record? Because we were dreaming. <laughs> We were dreaming of the future. We were dreaming. And for me, it was listening to God speak through you and then letting him show me throughout the week how he wanted to make that happen. So Saturday you came over and we were going to record. And I thought it was so interesting because um, this happens a lot. We start chatting before, as you're setting up, we start chatting. And sometimes those conversations get long. And that day, what time did you come over? Because I remember when you got here. Four. It was daylight. Yeah. But when you left, it was dark. Yeah. It was like 10. <laughs> it was like 10. Yeah. And, you know, at a certain point, like 9, 9.30 or something, we called and said, yeah, we're, we're not going to record today. Um, it's too late. But I started thinking when, when you said, hey, let, let's, let's do a podcast. The heart behind that was wanting to share with others, you know, us walking together in the conversations we've had. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, wanting to, to be able to just have those conversations and then we just happened to turn on a mic. But the most important thing is walking together and continuing to have those conversations, walking together and doing life together and, and trying to live lives that are influenced and informed by Jesus and helping each other to do that um, through real life situations. Uh, but the point was never the podcast. No. The point was we're walking together and you, you had the thought, I'd like to share this with others. So yeah. what happened Saturday is the most important thing. Yep. We we talked for four or five hours. Yeah. It we didn't hit record, but the most important thing still happened. Yeah. Um and I love that. I love that neither one of us at any point on Saturday said, Oh no, hold on, let's let's capture all this, let's record. Yeah. Because we were more interested in, in walking together, talking together, talking about what God's doing in our lives and what he wants to do in our lives and understanding his will. We were more concerned with having those conversations than we were with hitting record. Yeah. Now, I think there's that balance of we keep doing that, keeping the main thing the main thing, but also... <laughs> remembering to hit record yeah. and sharing it with others. Right. Yeah. There's still a lot of stuff that we want to share with everybody. So yeah. I, and it's, it's really, I think it's really important for us to have those moments of accountability and, um, and also just, I think it's a good checkmate moment to make sure that we are 
staying true to what we've communicated in the past. Cause we've talked about this, you know, on multiple episodes where if it becomes, if the relationship becomes only the podcast, then we're doing something wrong. Yeah. If, if the podcast is what's driving, um, then yeah, we, we've lost the plot just like, and I think that's gotta be something that's really, I would imagine that that's tough for, for people who have something to say and then they, they, um, they become content creators or influencers because they want to share stuff that's in them that has to get out. I imagine that one of the challenges is, um, how do you keep that natural? How do you not, how do you, um, insulate yourself from being affected by now having an audience? Because I mean, all these social media platforms allow you to track metrics. You know, it's like, how many views did we get? How many likes did we get? How many subscriptions did we get? What happens when we talk about this topic? What happens when we talk about that topic? What if we talk about this and not talk about that? Oh, you know what? When we talk about this thing, we trend better. Our numbers are better. And what ends up happening is that very pure thing, that thing that you wanted to share has now been affected by the way that you're sharing it. Yeah. So we had this conversation before, like the main thing is, should always be, and will always be the main thing. We need to be very aware of how does this stay the main thing? And the fact that we had a five hour conversation on Saturday and didn't record any of it, that makes me feel good about us recognizing like that that's the main thing. If we stop doing this tomorrow, we keep work, we keep walking together um, and nothing changes. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Jay a while back and we were talking about the podcast and he was like, one of the things I love about what you guys are doing is it's, it's, it feels like a conversation. He's like, I feel like I'm in the room with you. And he's like, and there's moments where I want to like interject because I want to ask a question or push back or, you know, just in, in, get included into the conversation. He's like, and I listen to other podcasts that are really great, but they're, they're produced so well that it doesn't feel like a conversation. It doesn't feel like it used to, it may have started off that way. And then it turned into this like really big production. And yeah. And that was actually one of my fears too. When I added the intro music, I was like, man, I hope this doesn't like take away from like, it's <laughs> is this a step in that direction towards yeah. production? Yeah. And I think production is great and yeah. you can, you know, I think it's needed. What most people don't know is the amount of time that I take to edit, yeah. you know, and make sure that like EQ is really good and there's enough compression and it's loud enough and it just feels good. Um, so production's needed, but it's not, it's not the goal of ours. We, we, we did not intend to create a podcast to create produced conversation. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really glad that we're able to, it's like we, what we just talked about just a couple of minutes ago in relationship. Someone makes me want to be a better person. This is kind of the, this is the fruit of that. I think it's, you know, 
because of our friendship and because of our relationship, this is turned into just wanting other people to have the same thing that we have. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about this other person making me feel like I want to go the extra mile, Mm -hmm. it's that same idea. It's the fruit of the relationship that I have with this other person. And, um, and I think it's, it's the core of who we are, what we want in our lives and, and then just wanting to share the experience with others. And I think it's really, really awesome. But yeah. Production. I've heard this said about a lot of other things, um, but I think it applies to production production as well. It's just kind of like a, feels like a, a universal truth that applies to so many different things, but I think production in service of the message is great. If all the production techniques, all the production tools, all the production, you know, stuff is being used to support the message, the content, the, the, the ideas that we're trying to share, then that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what is it? Uh, what is that thing that's saying about, um, I don't know if it's technology or tasks or something. It's like, it's, it's a horrible master, but it's a great slave. Like it's a great, it serves you well, yeah. but it's a horrible master, a servant. So I think you could say that about production. It's like, it's a wonderful servant when it serves what you're trying to share, but it's a horrible master if it's the thing that's driving. Like, oh man, we have to have a real slick, um, a real slick production profile to where everything looks and feels a certain way. And I don't know, that just, it's, I think it's, while it is challenging to do production well, um, mm-hmm. I think you can learn to do production well. I think you can commoditize that. I think you can make that a product. I think people can box it up and sell it. It's like, oh, here was this turnkey thing. Well, what I, I don't think you can box up and sell and commoditize is us walking together and sharing and like... Doing life. Doing life. That's you can't mass produce and box that up. And by the way, Jay doesn't know this, but he's like one of my favorite people. Same. I don't talk to him enough. Um, we need to have him on here. I would love to. When I got involved with the the team in one chapel in Austin, he was one of the first people that I met and talked to. And I still remember we went to, we went and had lunch at a, What's that place down at the domain? That it's a burger place. Um, oh, uh, something city. City. Yeah, it's like a really good burger place. But I remember us sitting there over lunch and sat there for like two hours and just talked. And I remember feeling like, man, Jay's such a kindred spirit. There's just so many. There's so much depth there, and there's so much like I don't know. I anytime I'm around him, I love just hanging with him. Yeah. Like we don't have to have like an objective or a task to do. It's like, I just like to hang with a man. He's really one of my favorite people. Yeah. Literally every single time we hang out, we always like, you know, he has to get back to work or I do too. And it's like, man, I didn't want to leave. And he goes, and there's so many things that we talked about that like, I just like, I have to take a day or two to like process. I feel like that's how it is every single time I hang out with him. 
Like we get into such deep conversation and I love the way his brain works because, you know, he's a great listener and um, he's got a great story too. Um, but yeah, he has just a, I think that's, that's a great way to put it. Sounds like a kindred spirit, really analytical. Yeah. We need to have him on here. Jay, you need to come on here, bro. We need you on here. Yeah. As you, as you said, um, relationship overproduction, cause you can't box that up. I'm, I'm not ready to talk about what dream we had yet soon, but, um, that just makes me, it reconnects the dots on why I feel like that next season that we've been talking about is going to be impactful because it is grounded in relationship, which we'll get to soon. Cause I just want to get some things in play first. Before it's so, I, it's so tempting. Yeah. Like you're like cracking that door open. Yeah. It's like, Nope, Nope, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something that I've, I've, I have dreamt about for a very long time and, and Adrian saw it in, in me and, and, uh, yeah. So resist. I know. Resist. <laughs> You're like right at the edge. It's okay. It's okay. Should I tell him? Nope. Yeah. Oh, no. no, I'm not. Not yet, guys. Not yet. Not yet. Soon. Soon, 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 soon. Yeah, but um yeah, I've I thought about since Saturday. <clears throat> I was thinking about, you know, a topic for today and and I think we've been playing now over the past few days and even this morning as we were, you know, at breakfast with Stu, just how important relationship is. And I, I continue to see that be the factor in my healing through my divorce. And then, you know, being in, in, in this middle phase of life of, you know, having a company that we're, we're building a product and we're trying to get it off the floor. And there's all these things that, you know, I want to see happen and I'm excited about, but the main thing that has been consistent is relationship. And it's, it is, I can't, I can't stress this enough. Like it is the reason why I'm able to sit here today healthy and be able to speak to the things that I've gone through, be honest and vulnerable, um, and them not affect my future. Like I can look back on the past and I can say, okay, those are the things that I grew from. And they, they, they have impacted the way that I look at how I want to move forward. And they are a part of my story, but they're not who I am. And the things that I've grown from and the things that I've been through, through relationship and through you walking with me and, and other dudes walking with me. Um, it's been such a blessing in my life. And I think, you know, we've talked about our yes is impactful. I think it was like the fifth episode. We, I think we touched on it. We touched on this topic, like at a high level. We talked about why saying yes to God is, is important. And as I've said yes to God and I've said yes to relationship, I'm seeing a deeper meaning than just the, the process of saying yes. It's like now, now I'm in the, in the thick of um, the work 
and the commitment and seeing the fruits of that. Yes. Um, and it didn't take much time. I mean, I mean, we're six months into me saying yes on a few things and man, God continues to show up in all these ways through people. And, um, and it's just such a blessing. I can't stress, like if you haven't, if you don't have a community, go, go get one, go find somebody, um, start war. Or if you see somebody that is struggling, start walking with them. That's the purpose of this podcast is for you to learn how to walk with people. Because there are, people are going through some really tough things. Um, and, and they've always, I mean, through the history of scripture and America and the world, I mean, there's always something going on. And there's always somebody going through something. And I think it's our responsibility to start looking up, looking around. I really believe that there's something very powerful in finding someone to help Mm -hmm. and finding someone to walk with. I think there's a power in that when we do that selflessly, when you see someone and you just, you just want to walk with them and we have to be careful because I'm not talking about um, assuming this savior complex. If I'm going to go save everybody and I don't feel useful, I don't feel valuable unless I'm saved. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, being a decent human being with those around you and being aware of and caring for those around you. um, Even when, or I would say, especially when you're going through the suck, you're going through the tough stuff. Cause I think one of the easiest things I know in my experience to do is when things are really awful, things are going really, really bad. And, um, my perspective can become like a black hole, like very, all the focus turns inward and every, you know, the focus is very, oh my God, this is so awful. Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? Why is all this? Why? And everything is, look how bad this is. And, and then what happens is when, when you feel victimized and you feel like, like everything's happening to you, it kind of affects your perspective because then everything that happens after that, like people around you, are doing stuff that that may not even be hurtful or offensive, but because you're because your windows are dirty, because mm. your lenses are jacked, you start seeing like simple behaviors as like, man, why did they ignore me? Why didn't they say this? Why did they cut me off? Why didn't they pay attention? It was like because we're like everything we're focusing inward. And I think one of the one of the really powerful things about helping others is it helps to kind of temper our self-centeredness. You know, when you say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to find someone to walk with. I'm going to be a good friend. I'm going to be an encourager. I'm going to be a supporter to somebody. Um, I'm not going to be in denial and be be delusional and say, I'm not going through something awful. But I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Mm. I think we, we can be going through something and you can still be kind to the person in front of you. I think one of the first thoughts that I had as you're, you're talking is what you just told me today. Like what you see in me, I can't, I can't remember how you put it, but basically what you see in me is more than what I see in myself. 
I kind of feel that sometimes. I have this this sense that sometimes I just have this sense in me that sometimes I see in people stuff that they don't even see in themselves. And I'm not, it's not about patronizing someone. It's not about blowing smoke or, or, or trying to, to just build them up in a superficial way. Um, I feel like almost everybody I run into, when I see them, I'm like, you're a pretty amazing individual. And then I kind of like think, wow, you could probably do this and you could do this and you've already done this. That's the other thing. It's not like, oh, you could do so much more. It's like, no, like you're pretty amazing where you are. Yeah. Now it's not, it's also not this, this naive um, Pollyanna perspective of, oh, everybody's perfect. Woo woo. Everybody's great. No, it doesn't mean I don't see brokenness and trauma and anger and anxiety and depression and all the dysfunction. It doesn't mean I don't see that, but you see them. I love, I love looking for um, the brush strokes and fingerprints of God on a person. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. Cause when I see that, I'm just reminded of not, not just them, but I'm reminded of God's greatness. It's like God did that. He formed and shaped them. He formed their innermost parts. He's the one that, that, you know, made them fearfully and wonderfully made. He did that. And it's a reminder when you, when you look at someone and you see something, um, you see those things in them. It's a reminder of God's greatness and his beauty and his wonder. Now, I, I just find that every, almost every time that I've spent time with people, and start asking questions. Um, vast majority of the time, I start discovering things where I'm amazed. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, last night, I was invited over to a friend's house and who plays guitar, older, older couple. And the gentleman invited me over, my friend Jeff. He invited me over where we're just going to hang and play guitar. Like two, three friends get together. <laughs> this, was, this was great. And Jeff's wife, Jan, is probably like 64. So at some point in the evening, we'd been playing guitar. We'd been talking about all these guitarists, like all over the map. We're talking about everybody from like Gordon Lightfoot to uh, Chet Atkins to um, Joe Pass. Like we're, we're like to Rage Against the Machine, to Blink-18. Like we're all over the map. Yeah. And um, Jeff's wife, Jan, had gone back into the room because it was kind of just the guys hanging out playing. And we're eating, we took a break, we're eating pizza. And then I grabbed a guitar and one of the guys mentioned that he liked Blink-182. So I'm like, oh, cool. So I was trying to think like, what other bands do I know? Do I know any songs that are kind of in that same style? So there was like this one hit wonder band. At least I think they were a one hit wonder band. There's a band called Eve Six. And they had this song called Inside Out. And I remember this song from, I think it was Can't Hardly Wait or some movie with Jennifer Love Hewitt or something. So I pick up the guitar. I'm like, hey, Jacob do you know this song? And I started playing it. He's like, oh yeah, dude, that's Eve six. Here's what blows me away. As I start playing it and like singing the first verse, Jeff's wife, Jan, like comes storming down the hall. She's like, is that Eve six? She's like 64. Like, dude, that is awesome. And then she proceeds to come out. She's like, yeah, I love them. And she starts telling us about all these other bands that she loved. And then she brings out a scrapbook. She goes, well, I don't show this to everybody, but I wanted to share it with y'all. 
And it's a scrapbook, which has tickets to every concert she's ever been to. That's cool. Alex, I was floored. This is like a thick scrapbook of like tons of people. Like ton, everybody from, I saw Tom Petty. I saw Joe Cocker. I saw John Prine. I saw like newer bands like Willie, like across, you know. The spectrum of music. Across the spectrum of music. And I didn't know this about Jan. I didn't know that, that she had that experience, that she loved music that much. I didn't know that that was a part of her. And I felt like in that moment, it's like, wow, there's like another brushstroke I just saw. I just saw another part of you that I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Did that hang almost, <clears throat> did that hang almost uh, turn into like an emo fest? <laughs> well, it's funny because it started off when we got to, first got together, I had heard this song that I love. And this is another, this is another connection point for, for me and Jay. So Jay and I both love Ben Rector. Like yeah. Jay actually turned me on. I can't remember the name of the album, but there's a, an album that, that uh, Ben Rector did. I think it was Ben Rector. Pretty sure where they, they covered the Huey Lewis and the news stuff. And I remember, and they did it well. Like I remember hearing it thinking, Oh my gosh, this is so good. And Jay told me about that album. Um, so I, I'd been listening to Ben Rector this week and there's this song, um, is it on? There's this song called Dream On by him. And it's a very Disney-like song. And I was listening to, to the song. So when we got there, I had it on the brain already. And I told the guys, it's like, hey guys, do y'all know who Ben Rector is? They're like, no, no, we haven't heard of him. It's like, well, I'm listening to this song and I'm trying to figure out the chord changes on guitar. Cause I think this song was originally written for piano or something or orchestra. It's a very Disney sounding song. But I said, I just wanted to find figure out an arrangement on guitar for it. Um, so we started the night just listening and trying to pick out this arrangement, like finding the chords. And then on our other friend, Pat, he's a really good jazz guitarist. So he has like, uh, he was using Jeff's, uh, Jeff has like this, I think it's a, a country gentleman, Chet Atkins, hollow body. He's playing, he's learning, he's picking up the melody. I'm playing the changes and we're hanging. That's where the night started. Sounds like so much fun. And then we just go from one band to another band to another band and just like exploring their, their ideas. And even that was really cool because we get to share our experience. So I get to share, you know, I get to learn about what kind of music they like and what it meant to them and what they listened to growing up and what made an impression on them. And all of that to me, I'm just, I feel like I'm just getting a glimpse into other, I'm getting to discover these folks that God's, you know, brought into my life. Yeah. Yeah. The, the album was living my best life by Ben Rector and the song was dream on. And it's, it sounds like a Disney song. Um, Was that it that just played? No, there's a, there's one line. And I remember uh, you don't have to climb mountains or walk on the moon to fill up your heart like a great big balloon. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is such a- It like, sounds very Disney. Oh, it's, yeah, it does, it's, yeah, it's a very beautiful, poignant song. It is. But now that you mentioned Jay, that's, that's what reminded me of Ben Rector. Jay, I think the Lord is trying to tell us something here, buddy. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you know, we have all these connection points of friends too that like, you're just, they're such a blessing and they don't even know it. I think if, if we would take the time to look up, look around and really commit, it's really easy to hit the red button when someone calls. Don't want to talk, don't want to talk. Um, but every single time I hit the green button, I say, hello, man. There's always something good that comes from it. I have another buddy who's going through a divorce and uh, um, have been really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I've been really thoughtful on picking up the phone when he calls because I, uh, number one, like I want to be there for him. I have experience going through that. So I want to be able to help them out. But also um, more than anything, I just want to walk and, and I understand what having somebody walk with me looks like and just the amount of healing that comes from that. And I, I love hearing these stories of being able to sit down and play guitar and learning about all these experiences that all these other people have and they're tasting music. And then it, then the picture starts to play out of like, Oh, now I see the, why you are the way you are. Like all this beautiful things that you have in you and you don't even know about yourself. And you're just, you're adding so much to other people's lives. That's awesome. I've been thinking a lot about um, a quote and I've shared it before, but I'll share it again because I, I, it's made such a strong impression on me and it's by Matt Mullenweg, uh, the CEO of automatic. Um, he's one of the, the creators of WordPress and I think Tumblr and a couple of several other companies like that. Very successful. Um, I didn't realize this, but I think he started WordPress when he was like 19 and he's from Houston, which I thought was interesting. So Matt Mullenweg, very successful tech guy. But he has this quote, um, if you ever find yourself bored in a conversation, the problem is you, not them. And I've been processing that for ever since the first time I heard it. I like, think about it, think about it, think about it. And I guess my take on it now is, you know, if, if you're interested, they'll be interesting. And I think we need to search in ourselves to figure out why, why often we're not interested why am I not interested in the person in front of me? Mm. You know? And, and I think it's okay to ask that without judging ourselves, without feeling guilty. Yeah, it is, it is a convicting question, but I think it's important to ask, like, why do I not care at all about the person in front of me? Mm. And I think it's more important to take that to Jesus. Because yes. if, we're, if we're trying to be like him, if we aspire to, to live lives that are influenced and informed by him, I don't think that's the way he looks at people. Nope. So I think it's a valid question to say, oh, why, why do I just not, hey, Lord, show me why I just don't care or can you show me what's going on in my heart? Hmm. Or to turn that into a prayer, help me to see them the way you see them so that I'll be compelled to love them the way you love them. 
And I love how God, like when you, when you start praying that prayer, because I remember I prayed that prayer. Um, it was because I was dealing with somebody difficult, but um, <laughs> I started praying that prayer and then he started putting me in front of people that I never thought I would ever have a conversation with. Like we, you and I talked about Mike at the gym, 70 years old. Yeah. That was, I thought that was an awesome story. Like, um, and then, you know, you got Derek and Amber, um, so many other people, like I can continue going down the list. Raul at the gym and, uh, it's wild when you start, when you start saying that prayer with intention, he will start showing you people. He'll answer that prayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'll answer it. And then just, just be ready. Mm-hmm. Just be ready to see what he sees. Because sometimes that will be beauty and wonder and majesty in others. And other times it'll be brokenness and trauma and, mm-hmm. you know, a wounded child that needs a hug. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when it's tested the most, when you start seeing the person that you had the most conflict with start looking different. Cause that's when I started to see this other person in that light. I'm like, all right, they're a child of God. I'm strangle you. But there's a, yeah, there's a big jump between saying you're a child of God and seeing them like a child. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm saying it. The words are coming out of my mouth, but I don't I want to believe see it right now. I want to believe you're loved by Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That'll, uh, that'll happen. That'll happen. I had a thought and I completely forgot about what I was going to say, but. Can you think of some, some people in your life who. Um, affected you by saying yes. We were talking about this before about, and this has been an ongoing theme. It's been an ongoing part of our conversation is the power of us saying yes. When God stirs in our heart to do something, Mm -hmm. Uh, we say yes. And we do that thing, not realizing how much, just how much God can do and will do with our little yes, our yes to something that we see as small. Um, so having said that, can you think of some examples for you of people? It's like, they said yes, and it in fact, it impacted me in a way that was significant. We just talked about that. There's one person particularly that I just met with in the past couple of months. Um, and them just wanting to be around me for who I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there was a conversation that I had about the podcast and the prayer of like wanting to be soft and gentle. You know, but I, Originally that prayer was for me to be a better father. Um, but this person saw in me uh, and it blessed my, my life by them just speaking into me because I didn't see it but they're like, you're one of the most gentle people that I've ever met. And their simple yes of just wanting to walk with me in life and commit to that. Um, 
makes me want to be a better person. And, um, yeah, so that's, that, I mean, that's the most recent one. Um, I mean, we've talked about him on here, David Cherry. David has been one of those guys, like his yes has been impactful. He saw something in me to let me do audio at a massive church here in Austin and trust in me and build me up and mentor and coach. And whether that was his intention or not, his yes was like, I look at him as a, an amazing leader and, um, He's another person that makes me want to be a better person. You. You saying yes. You picking up the phone when I had that problem or you coming over and working out. And instead of working out, I remember there was a moment where we were sitting down or you were sitting on the bench and I was leaning against the rack and I was telling you about my ex and I going through a rough patch and we just sat and talked. That was huge. That yes was so impactful. Um, man, I can keep going. There, there's, yeah, my buddy Daniel, both Daniels, my buddy Robert. Um, yeah, there's been a lot. See, I think if we spend time thinking about those things, it counters like this low-grade frustration that we all seem to feel in society and culture right now. That's good. Right? Like, yeah. There's like this low-grade, everybody, I love the way Stu puts it. It's like we're all spring-loaded spring loaded to go off. We're all just like this low-key pissed off all the time and just waiting for somebody to set us off. Um but I feel like if, and I know it's, it's cliche, but if we find ways to express gratitude, find things to be thankful for, and not just things, but specifically people, I think there's a depth to that. Like people, in these cases, every one of those yeses is something that I'm sure you're grateful for mm-hmm. because it's impacted you in a positive way. Yeah. I think whatsoever is good, whatsoever is true, Think on such things, right? Because it's like it's almost like this is scriptural. Yeah. So thinking about that, but but also applying it to to people, because I can think I can think of a lot of people. I can connect a, connect a lot of dots, a lot of people from when I was a child to now. Who are it, a few for you? Um. Billy Lester. He's the one that that uh, led me you. to Christ. Yeah. From the first time I walked into that youth group, felt awkward, couldn't connect with anybody. He saw me, came over, gave me a hug and welcomed me, made me feel welcome. He could tell that I didn't feel comfortable. And he could tell that I felt like I was outside the circle. And he immediately saw me, went and grabbed me by the shoulders and said, you're coming in the circle. You're not outside. That moment, his yes, changed the course of my life. If he hadn't done that, I wouldn't be the person that I am now. I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't experience what I've experienced. I wouldn't, um, my walk with Jesus 
wouldn't be the same. And then I have friends in college. As it relates to my career, I remember, uh, no, another one shortly after that, my friend Billy, Billy Beckman. We were having a, we're like 14, 15. Billy was 14. I was like 15, 16. And we're having a discussion on uh, racism. And to this day, I still remember Billy is a 14-year-old. Billy is like complete extrovert, like very fun, life of a party, like one of the funnest people I've ever known. It was such a weird thing because I was always like introverted and brooding and Billy's like, and I remember anytime I'd be around Billy, I'm like, man, I wish I was a little more joyful like that. But we're having this conversation conversation about race. And um, he goes, well, I kind of feel like one of the worst, one of the most severe forms of um, prejudice is not race, but physical appearance. (laughs) Right, Billy. And it blew my mind then, and it does now. It's like, sure, well, racism is just one expression of, of prejudice towards others. And ultimately what he was saying is, we have a hard time with people that are different. Yeah. And to, th- to this day, that's affected me. To this day, there's times where I think about why do we treat certain people one way? Why do we treat other people a different way? Why can two people say the exact same things and we respond to one but not the other? The tone of their voice, their physical appearance, their station of life, their age, their culture, whatever. It's like, he was 14 when he told me that. That has has influenced me since then. And then there's me going to college. I had friends. uh, I had a friend, um, Renee Garcia. When I started college, I needed, I wanted to find a part-time job. And I had done, dabbled a little bit with computers, but not very much. And then he had gotten a job doing phone stuff, part-time job with the college. And they said, hey, we're looking for a person to help with, uh, with the CIS department to help with computers and tech stuff. It's like they need to be willing to learn, but they need to be you know, smart enough to pick the stuff up. And Renee threw my name in the hat. We were both mechanical engineering majors. No, I was mechanical. He was civil. Um, but he threw my name in the hat. He recommended me. And there were other friends, but he chose me and said, hey, why don't y'all here, reach out to my friend Adrian. I got that job, and in that job, I met the two people that I work with, the full-time employees there were a guy named Rick Gonzalez and David Jernigan. They took me under their wing, and they taught me about putting computers together. They taught me about like all this tech stuff, which if I didn't, if Renee didn't say yes and reach out to me, I wouldn't have gotten that job. If I didn't get that job, I wouldn't have learned the tech stuff. If I didn't learn that tech stuff, I wouldn't have learned about internet and software development, which is, that's where I started learning it. That wouldn't have led to the jobs that I got after. Like all of those are linked. That's awesome. So there's like tons of, and there's others after where it's like one job led to another or one, one person spoke to me. I mean, on a spiritual side, there's a person that Jay knows, you know, Eric Gomez. Yeah. I feel like God's put a love in us for other people now. And we know how to express that. We love we have our houses full every other Sunday for game night. We learned that from Eric. 
we learn how to love others in our home, how to invite others into our home and love them and make them feel welcome. And I didn't read that in a book. Paula and I experienced it in Eric's small group. He said yes to doing that. And there's countless others. And I'm just like eternally grateful for all of them. But I'll tell you, just thinking about them now, I feel better about my day than I did 10 minutes ago. This all can this this is connecting to the dreams <clears throat> that we're not talking about yet. That right there, we just talked about with Eric. That was like wrapped up, perfect little boxed up version of what what I want to see play out in the next venture. It'll happen. It's it's uh and, and I'll tell you what, what stood out to me the most. It wasn't anything that they said. It was what they did. I think you've talked about this. Say less, do more. Say less, Boom. do more. I've just started going to a gym to work out in March. It's a big deal, y'all. Uh, and it's been huge. Yeah. Uh, it's been great. But I've intentionally not told these folks about any of my association with church. I've intentionally been intentional about not saying, this is what I believe. This is where I serve. This is what I do. Um, because I feel challenged to show them and not tell them. Now, if they ask, yeah. I'll share, but I'm holding myself accountable. Like, how can I, what's that? There's a prayer that Paul and I are praying. It's like, let them see us, but feel you. Let them see me, but feel Jesus. So I'm kind of challenging myself in this, this gym community that I'm going to. Yeah. Um, so I'm having to think, like, how do I, how do I love them well? How do I bear his image in that context? Not tell them what I believe, but how do I demonstrate what I believe? It's just bubbling. That's a great action item for everybody this week. Say less. Do more. It's going to be the name of our title for the podcast this week. Yeah, actions speak louder than words. Go love on somebody. I'm sure you can find somebody in your circle. Make somebody smile every day. It's not complicated. Make somebody smile each and every day. 
give them a 30 second hug. Have you ever heard about that? Mm-hmm. There's data around it where if you give somebody a, a hug for 30 seconds, then um, it makes anxiety and all these pressures uh, that you may have internally um, go away. And it creates intimacy and bonding. Um, yeah, a hug says more than a thousand words. Make sure you know these people before you hug them. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> just walk up to some random people. <laughs> you look like you need a hug. <laughs> About that action, I, I got punched in the mouth. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and put this out there. We are not liable for anybody that gets knocked out. <laughs> Use discernment. Because <laughs> if you didn't, you might end up in the hospital. <laughs> You're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> and if that's the case, go learn how to box. And uh, we'll talk later. <laughs> Man, I love that. Yeah, I feel like this conversation has been on my heart for the past like week or two. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's an overflow of what I want people to be doing. And um, I mean, the people in my life have been a blessing and I want I want you to be a blessing for others. So we'll end it here. Um, we love you guys. Let's see if we can get Jay on next. Yes, that'll be great. It'd be awesome to talk to Jay. And um, we'll catch you next week. Later, y'all. Be blessed. Later.